RPGs. Where the Cheetos? Video games. Grabbing fields. <laughs> music. And I'm a This is the GW Podcast. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the GW Podcast. I'm Scott Woodard, a.k.a. Dungeon Master, your Portland-based guide to the world of Dungeons & Dragons. And joining me from Baltimore, Maryland, it's Venger the Force of Evil, a.k.a. my co-host Arnold T. Blumberg. Hello. Hey, Arnold. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Okay. I'm sorry, I had to do that. That's all it's right. It's just a thing. It's a thing. And joining us on this show is Dom Zook. He's an award-winning film producer, and he and his team have just launched a Kickstarter project for a project called Saving Throw that should be of incredible interest to all you tabletop role-playing gamers out there, and that, of course, includes me. So, Dom, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, of course, uh, Saving Throw, what is it? Oh, Saving Throw is, uh, the short form, is an instructional web series designed to teach people how to play pen and paper role-playing games, uh, games like uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, etc. So it's uh, sort of a, we like to uh, phrase it as, it's a Mythbusters meets Will Wheaton's tabletop with a little bit of top gear thrown in. So <laughs> it, it's it's got a bunch of, uh, you know, heralds in the industry, I suppose. But yeah, that, that's the long and short of it. Uh, it's a bit of a dream project uh, for me, certainly, uh, as a lifelong gamer, lifelong role-playing gamer. Uh, this is the kind of thing I'm really looking forward to seeing more of. And I'll definitely be supporting you guys, of course. Thank you. But uh, so why don't you sort of break down your Kickstarter for us, uh, maybe some of the levels and uh, where the money's going to go and all that kind of cool stuff. And uh, hopefully we can get some people to come on over and, and chime in and start throwing their cash at you. Well, that would be, that would be amazing. <laughs> um I'll sort of give you the the gestation of the idea. So I've been playing role-playing games off and on since I was about 12. So we're talking 25, 30 years ago. And I started playing the, you know, first edition Redbox Dungeons and Dragons. And I played played all the way up until about uh, high school or so. And then, you know, things like girls and <laughs> classes and all that stuff sort of <laughs> took over. And I I kind of, it fell by the wayside. And after college, I was sort of looking for something similar, and I kind of got back into role-playing games via video games. And I started thinking, I was like, you know what would be cool if I was sitting around a table talking to people, rolling dice, and building my own character and being able to do anything that I wanted to do? I was like, oh, that's right. (laughs) They've already invented that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so I... uh, just maybe two years ago, I started. Uh, I reformed a gaming group, and uh, we've been playing ever since. And we were like, you know, some of us, it's been years, you know, sometimes 10 years for some people between playing. And we uh, were looking for really good resources that were entertaining and short and um, well made 
that taught how to play role-playing games, um, any role-playing game. I didn't care. I just wanted to get back into it. And so I, I wasn't able to find a whole lot. So I thought, well, hey, I'm a filmmaker. Why don't I try to put this together? And I, I approached some of my friends who I was gaming with, and they all really loved the idea. And so we just kind of started putting it together. And that's where Saving Throw comes. Oh, that's excellent. And it's, it's definitely, a, uh, I don't know, it seems like a natural progression. Uh, and I've sort of run into this from, uh, with a lot of people who are also tabletop role-playing gamers, that we're sort of starved for that kind of a thing. And it seems like we're underrepresented uh, on the internet. You know, there's a few, every once in a while I find a few shows and things like that that I subscribe to on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But like you said, a, you know, a well-produced, uh, well-structured, well-scripted uh, show is something that's just not there. And yeah. it sounds great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we there's a lot of, of the sort of tabletop board game kind of thing. There's tons of websites of role playing games. I mean, let's not uh, you know overlook that. There there are a lot of resources for gamers, but a lot of them are geared towards people who already game. And uh, what I wanted to do was sort of in, have a resource that not only uh, you know the grognards could could take hold of and you know, maybe brush up on a, on a gaming system that they're not super familiar with. But I also wanted it to be accessible to new gamers and basically people who are like, I've always wanted to game, but it's been intimidating for me. Um, you know, uh, we wanted it to be open to, to everyone. So, uh, that was sort of the, the impetus to, you know, create saving throw and have it not just be about how to play role-playing games, but about why, what makes role-playing games so fun? You know, why, why should you play a pen and paper game as opposed to say like world of Warcraft or something like that? And, yeah, I think I'm going off on a tangent, but that that's that's sort of what we wanted to do. We wanted, you know, we weren't seeing a lot of stuff that spoke to that audience. So, yeah, we just sort of took it upon ourselves to say or do the things that we wanted to see. Now, one of the things that's come up, we've actually talked recently about Tabletop, the show Tabletop. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, a lot of these other um, shows out there that focus more on that than role-playing games. Obviously, that's a gaming experience that is more long-form. You mm-hmm. play a campaign, you play a long story. But I noticed also that you stressed the idea that this project involves producing things that are bite-sized, that are short. Mm-hmm. That So how, do, how are you going to balance um, exploring a gaming experience that is sort of inherently long-form and doing it in a way that will be able to keep things short and introductory for people that are interested in them? That's a great question. Um, So basically what we're doing is we're uh, dissecting the character creation process and breaking that down into its small goals. I should say first that the first season of the show is is going to be focusing primarily on the Pathfinder uh, role-playing system by Paizo. And we chose that mainly because it's one of the most popular, if not the most popular, uh, RPGs right now. So a lot of people are getting into it because basically everyone is playing it. However, that's not the only thing we're going to cover on the show. We're going to be covering a lot of you know indie games and, and just everything. But the first season will focus on Pathfinder. However, uh, going back to the question... So we'll break out the, the character sheets, essentially. Uh, and we're going to take it section by section. So, you know, we'll cover the uh, rolling for your stats. We'll cover choosing skills, um, spells, you know, various things, choosing your class, choosing the race. And we break those out into their individual pieces. So you have essentially an episode 
that focuses entirely on the class, which class to choose, what, what do you want to do? And we kind of get into the psychology of it and break it down that way. But uh, knowing that it is a long-form system and there are lots of questions that arise, we will also be playing the game. Uh, we're going to use the characters that we create in this character creation, and we will play a, a game with those, and we will, of course, film that. But we were going to use a lot of uh, the graphic elements and stuff like that to show you know, if you've ever seen like um, celebrity poker or something like that, and mm-hmm. they have all the little you know cameras focusing on all of the, uh, they have the commentators and the cameras on the the cards and everything. That's sort of what we're going for. Where uh, you'll see, hey, th- this guy's playing a fighter and he rolled a six. What does that mean? What is he adding? What are his modifiers? Where can he go? What can he do? And we'll have little pop-ups and graphics and stuff that sort of explain that. Uh, and if you want that in more depth, you can go back to another instructional video. Think everything's going to be sort of intertwined, so you are never far away from an answer. Essentially, is. Mm-hmm. It's how we tr- we're, we're trying to uh, structure it. Not really. So, are you looking like at the um, like the Pathfinder beginner box, sort of as maybe a springboard? Uh, some of the ideas to come from that, since of course that distills it down pretty nicely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're we're using the beginner box as sort of our our uh, as you say the springboard. Um, but you know, we're going to a lot of people. We found a lot of people sort of have already looked into the beginner box, but then when they hit the core rule book, they're sort of like, uh, okay, this is getting a little bit too intense for me. And mm-hmm. so we're trying to be that gap reducer between the two. So, you know, we, we're taking the beginner box. Okay, you've got that. They set it out. Paizo did a great job with that, and they set it out very nicely. But then when you're trying to make that leap to the the core rule book you know there might be some things that you want clarified a bit and so that's sort of where saving throw is kind of falling into place one of the most hilarious things that you definitely do not want to emulate <laughs> uh, i don't know if you rem- remember this but tsr back in the ad and then second edition days did these introductory box sets mm-hmm. um, i don't know if you ever got your hands on those but they had these cds inside that you were supposed to actually play along oh, with the yes. with your game yes and they had a phenomenal, and I use that term with air quotes, uh, a phenomenal sort of scenario where this these people are playing the game and it's just so incredibly bad that you have to listen to it and maybe even use bits of it or something because this is the way you don't introduce people to role-playing games yeah. is through this produced thing. One of, one of the things that we really wanted to try to avoid, I mean, you know, we, we're gamers and we're, we play, we play every week. Uh, if not more. And we wanted to show that, you know, not everyone is the, you know, the dead alewives, you know, are are there any girls there? Uh, (laughs) We were just talking about that before we got on the phone with you too. Yeah. So, So, yeah, we wanted to, we, I mean, we, we really wanted to make it an, an open experience and, and yeah, I almost feel like those CDs kind of, um, did the opposite <laughs> for, yeah. for the for the system. So yeah, well, hopefully we're going to be avoiding that. Well, it's funny because before I moved up uh, to Portland, when I was down in LA, uh, I was in a, a weekly D and D group, and the the people that were in that group, it was it was kind of an interesting mix. Uh, I had um, a commercial artist, a professional photographer, a uh, television writer who actually is a showrunner on a Cartoon Network show that I 
uh, probably won't name right now because <laughs> everybody knows what it is. And uh, also, uh, yeah, it's Adventure Time. Um, and <laughs> also uh, five people, including four girls who had never actually sat down and played a role playing game. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, it was this this group of professionals and and uh, none of us were like the dead alewives characters by any stretch. Right. And uh, most of the time it was drinking beer and hanging out and having a great time. And we got those four people to buy books and dice and miniatures and they were hooked and more hardcore than any of us. And we'd been playing all our lives. Yeah. So I love that. I love the fact that you can introduce new people to RPGs now and it's it's fashionable. It's cool to actually do it. And I think your show is is just going the right direction. It's perfect. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. If you watch the Kickstarter video and if you just go to Kickstarter and search for Saving Throw, you'll find us. And uh, if you watch the video, uh, one of the hosts, we, we have three hosts. Um, I, I should I should probably introduce them. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> Ivan Van Norman, who uh, many people may know from uh, TBS's King of the Nerds uh, TV show. Uh, he was a contestant on the first season. He is going to be our, our dungeon master. And he's also one of the hosts. And we have Amy Vorpal, who has probably the coolest last name. It really <laughs> is Vorpal. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, she's awesome. And she's been playing games for, God, like 10 years now. She's, she's been playing games. So, and then we have uh, Ben Dunn who introduces himself in the video as the newbie uh and he is um he he didn't play start playing role playing games until about last year uh when I said hey you should come join our gaming group and he did and he just he just got hooked and he's like I want to know more and you know it was hard cuz everyone is working and it's hard to set up a time to you know sit down and say okay well let's start here you know this is the rule book okay now flip over to this page and now you, you know on page 134 you can yeah and he was like you know i really like the idea of of something that i can just watch 5 minutes of 10 minutes of and get a good idea of what i need to do and what i need to be looking at and ben has been he's just picked it up like crazy and he's now he's telling me he's like my dice aren't working so i need to buy dice you know <laughs> so, so it's been it's been wonderful uh seeing it kind of blossom with new players but uh my my whole thing is just you know rpgs are it's such a theater of the imagination and everyone should have the opportunity to to access that um and so if if we can be in some, some small way uh, open the door for people who otherwise thought they would never be able to play a role-playing game. I, you know, if one person uh, gets turned on to role-playing games from watching our show, I will be ecstatic. This is G2V. Two longtime fans of two bionic shows discuss an episode in detail every two weeks. Cyborgs, a bionic podcast. Find us at chronicrift.com slash cyborgs or subscribe on iTunes. Cyborgs. 
kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons theme. Oh, uh, is this something to do with sex? <laughs> Far from it, Jen. No, you see, in role-playing, one person is a dungeon master or game master or keeper. He or she controls the world and tells the players what they're experiencing, whether it be battling with a coal monster or just kicking back in a smelly old tavern with some roguish elves. <laughs> Played over a few hours, the game employs dice rolls to determine the outcome of certain events. Now, unlike most board games you might be familiar with, role-playing games often use a 20-sided dice. Moss, yeah. I want to stop listening to I this. I completely understand. It sounds like you and I share one trait in common, and that's that we're RPG evangelists to some extent. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I don't walk around with my books under my arm all the time, <laughs> but I do occasionally. Yeah. Um, I was actually, I worked on, um, uh, I was the puppet coordinator on the, the movie Paranorman up here. Uh, we... I basically just started a game group at the com- at the company, and we would meet Wednesday nights in a, in the commissary, and we gathered a whole bunch of guys from the puppet fabrication department and sat around and played D and D and had a f- phenomenal time. And it was great how at first we would have people walk in and sort of say, "Are you guys really playing a role playing game?" Mm-hmm. And then eventually we had people come in and they would pull out sandwiches and watch us play. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're was- working on a puppet movie about zombies. <laughs> And they have a problem with that. You're, Attacking orcs is one thing. You're playing a role-playing movie. game. What kind of nuts? <laughs> but, you know, my whole point was that I wanted it to be public. I wanted yes. people to see that it was a bunch of cool guys sitting around having a good time. And it was, you know, it was guys and girls. We had a great, great group. Yeah. And uh, I really miss that. But I, I'm so jealous of you right now because you keep talking about how you have a nice regular gaming group. And I just haven't been able to do that lately. I've been so busy. It, it, it is hard. I mean, it, it, there's no question. I mean, we're we're all working professionals. We, we, you know, I mean, I haven't we actually haven't played the Pathfinder game actually in a few weeks right now. Um, I play in two games currently. I play a Pathfinder game and I actually play a Star Wars game. And it, it gets difficult, you know, but um, <laughs> the hopefully you can get your fix through saving throw and you can watch us play it <laughs> on, on there. <laughs> Vicariously, yeah. But and I know I, my I, wife will love this too because my I'm, I'm not the gamer in the house actually, but my wife has been uh, a dedicated role-playing and particularly Dungeons & Dragons player her whole life and is still today running a regular um, campaign that she's been DMing for a few years now, a whole long story with a group that she gets together with. And that's always been one of her passions is how it enables you to, to create a story, to create a world yeah, and have everybody take part in that. And that is one of her happiest outlets is, is running a, a campaign D and D. It's, it's so satisfying to, to be at work and, you know, you get, you get beat down and everyone is calling you and asking questions and you've got paperwork to file and things like that. And it's so refreshing to go to the game group that day, that one day a week and sit with, you know, five of your friends and start wailing on some orcs or, you know, <laughs> casting a spell or whatever. It's just so, so releasing. And, and it's even more so, I don't mean to harp on video games cause I love them, but, uh, you know, it's such a different experience from a video game where you're sort of confined to whatever the programmers have, have intended you to do, uh, with, with a role-playing game, you, you're confined to whatever you want to do. Basically, um, as soon as, if you clear it with the dungeon master, you're, you're good to go for the rest of the game. So, um, I, I, I just love that sort of freedom, but, um, but well, yeah, it's also I, it's also a social experience. I mean, you're all yeah, in the same yeah. room. I mean, you could do that with the online games. It's a different kind of experience. You can be 
socially connected, but it's not the same thing. It's a different thing. Having everybody in the same room, having a good time together is that's what makes it so much more fun. That, yeah, that's exactly it. Sitting around and just, you know, hashing that, just talking and, you know, the table talk that happens and everything like that. We, we were worried actually, we, we, when we were starting saving throw, we were having kind of practice sessions and we just could not like be silent <laughs> we, we, we just, you know it's just you're always dogging someone else and and you know you're 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 reading out the rule book or you're you know you're moving miniatures around and and you're telling someone oh you should cast this and and this person's like no and then it just goes you know into insane directions and you're just sort of like okay we've got to somehow capsulate i'm not sure how fun that will be to watch <laughs> but it's great fun for us but um yeah yeah, so it, it's so fun. The entrance to the dungeon is a moss-covered door. You manage to open it, only to find yourself face-to-face with a hideous, foul-smelling, moss-covered ogre. What do you do? I say, hey, Ma, what's for dinner? <laughs> Seventeen. The ogre is amused by your joke and allows you to pass. <laughs> by the bye, I liked it, too. Now I have a question about your your uh, group's play style. Are you guys more casual social gamers, or do you really are you you know strict? And you know if you're talking, if you say anything it's in you know in the game, that's in character, and that's going to happen to you. I mean, how do, how does the how does that work in your game group? We uh, at least in the Pathfinder game, we're pretty well. And in, in both the games that I'm playing right now, we're pretty pretty loose. Uh, we we delineate. Uh, you know, if we're in game, we'll we'll talk as our character and. Uh, we will we will address everyone by their character's name, but we're not too strict in that regard. I, I've oftentimes uh, wanted to be part of a, a role play heavy group where you know you just don't you don't refer to the other person, you don't ref, or you know as a, not their character, and you uh, you just for two hours, three hours, four hours, you're you're in the mind of another character. I've I've often really wanted to do that, but uh, you know I, that that can be intimidating to some people, and I, we definitely didn't want people to think that you had to do that to enjoy a role playing game. But uh, but yeah, I I love doing both. I love doing the experience of of crafting a character and becoming that character. I also love just shooting the breeze with my friends and, you know, calling them out and when I want to and stuff like that, that's, that's just a lot of fun. So in terms of our groups, we're kind of, kind of, uh, casual in that regard. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I think you nailed it when you said intimidating and especially for people who aren't gaming, uh, if they, you know, I think one of their greatest fears is, are you guys all really like, do you huddle over and wear costumes Mm -hmm. and, you know, talking character the whole game and Mm -hmm. this kind of thing. And, and that's one of the things I, I, I don't tend to do that, although as a DM or a GM, I am the guy who will bend his face a little or, you know, hunch over yeah. or, or do, as my friend says, I love gaming with you because you do the funny voices. And, <laughs> um, but, you know, I love doing that. That's my moment to shine the spotlights on me. I have a great time with it. But at the same time, I'm also laughing and having a great time. And right. as long as people are having fun at the table, you know, it's still a game. It's still in the intention is to have fun. Exactly. And so mine are, are pretty fast and loose and casual as well. And so I think you're, you're certainly going to draw more people into it from the outside uh, by doing a, a show like that as opposed to 
<laughs> the guy sitting around saying, "If you if you say something during this game, <laughs> it's happening in game." So, exactly. I've, I've seen those groups, and it's it's even intimidating me. And I've been playing since '78. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of times, yeah, our our uh, Ivan will will kind of go like, "Is that it really what you're going to say?" <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. No, 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 no. We're just joking right now. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, I've had I've had people at work. Uh, you know, you were talking about being the evangelist and carrying books with you. And and one day, I, I, you know, I was. I had my books with me because I had gaming that night, and um, I was mentioning saving throw to to someone at work, and they were like, oh, their eyes got wide, and they're like, "You play role playing games?" And I was like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Do you dress up?" And I said, <laughs> "No," and she was like, "You don't, you don't go out into a park and hit people with swords and stuff." And I'm like, <laughs> "Well." Not lately, but no. <laughs> but uh, uh, I've done the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> but not lately. Uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, I said no. I, you know, we we actually, and I started explaining to her, you know, what we did, and I brought her a the rule book, and I showed it to her, and you know, she kind of was like, "This is really cool," and I was like, "Yeah, you should you should totally pick it up." You know, it's it's uh, it's a really fun game, and she's like, you know, I I played Magic the Gathering a little bit. This sounds kind of familiar. I was like, yeah, it's just got some similar points and stuff like that. And yeah, so now she asks me all. She's like, did you game last night? And I'm like, no, I didn't game last night. Did you? No. <laughs> so eventually, I'm going to try and convert. But uh, but yeah, no pressure. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, it, we all went so many years where it just was not cool. I mean, you didn't talk in mixed company about playing Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely. <laughs> Why do you guys remember the TV movie Mazes and Monsters with Tom Hanks? Hell yeah, yes. I've got it on DVD. Yes. See, I remember that vividly, and that was absolutely at the height of the lunatic media coverage of this as here's your child's gateway to satanism <laughs> what? And, yes and it, well it's just or, or or severe you know mental you know illness and yeah it's just insane robbie 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 pardue what are you doing going to join the great hall you can't it's a trap i have spells i'm going to fly you don't have enough points. I am the maze controller. Maze con- Maze controller? Yes. And I have absolute authority in this game. Game? It was just... It's the, it's the whole Jack Chick, you know, Dark Dungeons thing. Yes. Yeah, uh, if you've ever read that, and and of course I think most of us have, um, and you know I, I survived that that eighties <laughs> insanity. I have friends to this day who will tell me that their parents burned their Dungeons and Dragons books. Sure, sure. It was it was a crazy freaking time, dude. Well, look, I, everything like comics went through that in the fifties. There mm-hmm. there there are things. There's always a time where the the mainstream media rebels, and it's like this can't be good. <laughs> I think I think anytime uh, you know adults sort of get the feeling that kids are learning something that they're not in control of, right. uh, they get scared. And yeah. we, one of my early gaming experiences, we uh, this was probably in the fourth grade. We were playing in the school library, and we had the monster manual open to demons. And of course, there's a picture of a succubus on there, and the succubus mm-hmm. is topless. And the librarian comes over and sees demons on this page, and she <laughs> was convinced that we were 
studying Satan and that we were, wow. we were Satanists. And she kicked us out of the library, uh, which we, you know, we promptly just moved to the classroom or moved to, you know, the playground. <laughs> I mean, it didn't, it didn't phase us, but we were, you know, it, it really did. I mean, you're absolutely right. There was, uh, you know, I guess you could call it a red scare of, of sorts with, uh, a red box, scare. A red box scare. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But it's that. true how far things have come. We're now, and and it really does seem not just with examples like Saving Throw. It's um, such a mainstreaming in so many aspects of pop culture, mm-hmm. and gaming is is one of those things. It seems to be benefiting now, where it's just it it is becoming cool and recognizable, even for the, those people that may not be interested to understand it now in the way they never understood before. Like, okay, it's a totally reasonable pastime. That's fine, and it just didn't used to be that way. Yeah, and I think that's that's you know a lot of it is due to the mainstreaming of fantasy uh, mm-hmm. in some ways. You know, mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings movies did a lot to sure get sort of accessible to people, and then also World of Warcraft made you know people say, "Oh, it's okay to be playing a dwarf. I don't mind that." And you know, Felicia Day with the guild and and various other things have just sort of yeah they've mainstreamed that sort of gameplay and that mindset uh, in a way that it never was before. So, yeah. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get into edition wars here, but to me, I think one of the greatest things that, uh, you know, fourth edition did was really embrace that world of Warcraft universe. And I I think that's why there was, even though it, you know, ultimately failed and Mm -hmm. got in a lot of criticism, I still actually think it's a pretty good game. Um, But a lot of people were, it was easy for them to transition from, from Warcraft uh, to the table uh, through through something like that. And then, of course, you know, then they realized, well, this is only a first step and there's so many other options out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think fourth edition was a was a smart business move from by uh, WotC to sort of emulate that experience. But um, yeah, they, there was a little bit of a falter there. But, um, you know, I, I think that that sort of idea, you know, kind of embracing the 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 new aspects of, of fantasy and sort of uh, drawing them back towards the pen and paper world, I think is, is great. Anytime you can do that, I think is, is wonderful. So you're sure not tall and you're not all that attractive. Cause you're a level eight dwarf and you drink too much. Ale. You drink way too much ale, but you've got a nice accent. Hi, I'm Keith Ari DeCandido, international best-selling and award-winning author of over 40 novels, as well as comic books, short stories, novellas, and more. I'm also an editor, currently hiring out through Creditorial, a musician, currently percussionist for the Boogie Nights, and a whole lot more. Hear me talk about my writing and my life, and also do readings from my work on my twice-monthly podcast, Dead Kitchen Radio, part of the Chronic Rift Network. For more information, go to chronicrift.com or to deadkitchenradio.mevio.com. Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. You're playing the most phenomenal game ever created. 
your skin grows cold from your first glimpse of the enormous beast. It's a product of your imagination. Survival depends on a quick, decisive move. Your choices are limited. Stand and fight or run. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. Win the treasure. TSR Hobbies. Dungeons and Dragons games. Products of your imagination. Earlier we were talking about the Kickstarter. One thing we didn't get a chance to get to is you were going to say some of the things in terms of levels oh, uh, yeah, and right. what's going on with it specifically. Yeah. Well, so right now the Kickstarter is um, we're about 75% funded, which is awesome. Um, That's fantastic. Uh, but we're, we're not quite there yet. We have so many rewards. Um, some of my favorites are at the $15 level. Uh, we have basically a PDF of the module, uh, the campaign essentially, that Ivan is creating for us that, that we are running um, mm. in the show. Um, and it's it's going to be compatible. It's all OGL and D20 compatible, so you can plug it into your favorite uh, gaming system and, and enjoy. Uh, we've got a T-shirt. Uh, we have a tote bag. The another one of my favorites is uh, at the eighty-five dollar level. We have uh, we will sing a bardic song <laughs> for you or your character or both. Yeah, so that's 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 <laughs> actually been a pretty popular reward. So we've got a lot of songwriting to do. But uh, now was that your idea? That was my idea. <laughs> I, Were the rest of the group like, are you sure about this? Yeah, well, we did. So we did this. Uh, we did a parody, a music parody video called Just Give Me a D6, which um, mm-hmm. was a parody of Pink's Just Give Me a Reason. And we all enjoy to s- singing to varying degrees. And it just sort of felt like a natural, like, this is what I would want. If I was going to support something like this, I would want you know, someone to sing about me. So <laughs> that's how that came about. And yeah, I pitched it to them and they're just like, uh, okay. It's <laughs> like, all right, great. Thanks for the enthusiasm. We're doing it. And now, yeah, now there's eight backers on that one. So that it's been pretty popular with people. It's practically an album now. You're gonna <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, maybe we'll release that um, in album form. As soon as I knew it, you were a thief. I was a druid. We met. While we were drinking I started to talk to rats And you backstabbed a guard While golden coins fell clinking Now we're stuck with a drunken dwarf Uh Uh-oh, plus an older wizard dork Uh Uh-oh, and we all just agreed to go on a quest a quest just give me And what would it maybe were there any other uh, levels you wanted to touch base on? Uh, we have uh, going up from the the bardic level. We we get into sort of more personalized um, things where we will you know either sit down with you in person or over a Skype call like this one, and uh, we will help you build a character in whatever system you want. Very we, nice. Yeah, we. I mean, we're 
uh, uh, Ivan and um, Mason McDaniel, who's one of our technical consultants, have played pretty much every RPG that exists and is known to man. Um, so uh, they they know about everything uh, there is to know. So yeah, we will. You know, you can you can have a personalized character creation. Sit down with us. Uh, we also will go over GMing things. You can control. Uh, you can control what we do in the campaign. Uh, you can actually create encounters along with Ivan uh, that our party will run into as we as we play. We will play a game with you, um, either in person or over the internet. That Ivan will GM, or if you want to, you can GM, and we will play your game. Moving on from there, we kind of get into sort of the the. The stratosphere, I call it the five hundred dollar level and up. And you, you, uh, we have a level at five hundred dollars. It's called the Gygax, and uh, <laughs> you can basically, if you are a developer, a game developer, this is probably the one for you. Where we will basically uh, film a session of us playing that game, and we will talk about uh, how to play the game, and you know, basically proselytize your your system. So, nice. um, yeah, we really wanted the, the, the rewards to be open to everyone. Again, we wanted it to be people who were brand new to RPGs and pen and paper games and also people who played, you know, play RPGs like us who, who have been playing for years and also developers because there are so many great indie games that are being produced all the time and coming out. Uh, and with things like, uh, blanking on the name, uh, DTRPG, uh, and things with where you can just get the PDFs of all these games um, for cheap, if not free in some cases. There's so many games that are great, and we really wanted to focus on those and show that there's more than just, you know, you don't have to play a game where you're an elf. There are so many other games that you can play. And, and this is sort of opening it up for for those developers who are like, you know, can you do something that's not focused on Dungeons & Dragons? Because <laughs> that's not my thing. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, my uh, my personal favorite uh, setting, and uh, it's a game that I continue to run, and uh, is uh, Deadlands. I don't know if you're familiar with Deadlands at all. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that's my personal favorite. I mean, I've been gaming all my life, I, but I'm a big Savage Worlds nut. That's that's my system of choice, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's just there's just so many other uh, games out there, and that's another question I had for you guys on the show. Uh, you were talking about doing the Pathfinder one. Will you also talk about the pedigree and talk about sort of you know what came before it and how Pathfinder eventually uh, rose from the yeah the the pr- previous games and things? Yeah. So basically, our first episode will kind of be that that history lesson, um, sort of what, what brought Pathfinder to the fore, how it came, you know, was derived from the Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 and, you know, what it's, uh, you know, as you say, the, the, the pedigree of, of the game. And so, yeah, we're going to, we're going to touch on that, kind of touch on a little bit of the, the, the world that, that Paizo has sort of created, but, um, you know, we, we don't, we didn't want to focus too much on, on that aspect because, Again, you know, role-playing games, you don't have to play in that world. You can play in the world of your own creation using the Pathfinder rules. So we really wanted to get into the rule system quickly. But, uh, yeah, we're going to explain. Basically, we're, we're going to be your Wikipedia source for Pathfinder. Oh, nice. And uh, weren't you just at uh, was, uh, Oricon? Did you just do Oricon? Or? We did. We just did Oricon, uh, which is a, a sort of a, a one offshoot of Strategicon. 
Orcon is their their winter uh, convention, and uh, that was held here in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We had a um, we had a couple of character creation sessions. We had a really good, basically, psychology of character creation session, where we essentially sat down with one person and went through psychotherapy with them, and <laughs> and uh, sort of broke down their character so that they they could play. You know, they had a they had a purpose for that character. They had a backstory. You know, we came up with all that stuff for them. So that was a, that was really a lot of fun. Uh, and then the big draw was we did a 25-man, 5-GM uh, campaign of Star Wars Edge of the Empire um, that our, again, uh, Mason McDaniel created. It was insane. It was the first time we had ever done that, and it was crazy. <laughs> but we're going to do it again, um, and all better. And, you know, it's going to be awesome. But, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So I'm I'm shaking my head in disbelief and trying to envision this. <laughs> yeah, well, so it was it was it was it, it, I have to I have to admit that we had we didn't have a full 25 person contingent, so we did have to throw some NPCs in there, but we had about 18 people I think playing and yeah, it was insane. We were all everyone was doing a different mission, but they were all trying to uh do do something that would basically affect the whole the whole 25 man team. So I won't, I won't give away any spoilers as to what they were going for, but yeah, it was, it was insane. A lot of coordination, a lot of running around between tables, but in the end people had, we had a medal ceremony. It was, it was just like new hope. It was awesome. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a lot of fun was had, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we had, we had players who had never played a role playing game before they were board gamers. Um, there's a lot of board games that go on at, at strategic con at OrkCon. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of board gamers who are, who are like, I, you know, I, I, I love board games, but I've never played a role playing game before. And so we had, a, you know, several new people come in and this was their first experience was a 25 man group. And, um, they came away and they were like, that, that was, that was great. We love it. You know, we can't wait to play again. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's such a, such an awesome feeling to, to be able to, you know, reach people like that. Are there any uh, plans to go to Gen Con this year? Yep, we'll, we will be there. Uh, my my hope is that we will have a, uh, at, you heard me mention the psychology of character creation. We're, I'm, I'm hoping to bring uh, a couch and actually have, <laughs> have that uh, like in a booth where you can actually come in and tell us your problems um, and we will help you out. But yeah, so we will be at Gen Con. We will be at Comic Con, uh, San Diego Comic Con, uh, in some small way. Uh, but we, we will definitely be at Gen Con. We're trying to the the Kickstarter. Uh, you had asked way earlier where the money's going with the Kickstarter. Um, oh yeah, and uh, a lot of it is to basically to get the web series kind of up and running. Um, if we meet just meet our goal of eight thousand dollars, we will be able to shoot the first season. And focus on Pathfinder, and that's wonderful and great, and that's exactly what we want to do. Uh, if we raise more, we'll be able to um, actually travel uh, more. I can bring more people with me to Gen Con, uh, you, you know, PAX, uh, KublaCon, um, Emerald City Comic Con. There's so many, so many board game geek con. Uh, I don't know, I can't can't name them all, but there's so many. Uh, that we want to hit up and and reach out. So the more we can raise, the more cons that we can travel to and 
and meet gamers and and spread the love. So the the base the base price of eight thousand dollars covers the show. Uh, everything above that allows us to do a lot more, covering more RPGs, going to more places. Yeah, so we're right now we're sort of focusing on on hitting those stretch goals. And uh, I actually I I just announced today um, that we're sort of starting a campaign for backers of the of our Kickstarter. Once we reach our goal, we're going to start a campaign called the Tomb of the Forbidden Stretch Goals. <laughs> and um basically it's it's going to be the all of our backers will become pcs they'll become player characters and uh essentially it's a you know we have i don't know a hundred or so backers right now so it's a kind of a horde but um they're, they're a party nonetheless uh and we're going to have uh, basically some some missions and campaigns that people can go on uh, to reach these stretch goals. Uh, so we we will place things in the way that uh, we will need either more backers or uh, you know reach certain uh, dollar amounts and stuff like that to to uh, attain these these stretch goals. So uh, I hope that it gets it's it's going to be interactive and and fun i I haven't seen anything really kind of done this way so it's sort of a new experiment we kind of like experimenting with things so no that's brilliant i love it yeah but you have to you have to back to play that's the thing (laughs) (laughs) that's great no it's a wonderful incentive and i I just love the idea it's fantastic and i have to comment you made a you did a little shout out there about kublacon have you ever been i have never been to kublacon no i Oh, okay. Because yeah. I, I, I started going in it. My first year was 2003. Last year was the first time I missed it. Oh. And I will be back again this year. And it's one of my absolute favorite West Coast cons. So if you guys do get up there, you will have a really good time. That, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we, are, we are trying to do it. It's pl- planning out all of the cons for this year has, has been a full-time job. In <laughs> uh, but There are a lot to choose from, yeah, yes. Yeah, so uh, our focus is obviously on Gen Con, which, which uh, at least a few of us will be at. But um, uh, yeah, we're hoping to make it to, to KublaCon. I mean, it's just up the road from us, uh, essentially. So, yeah. Well, excellent. Uh, Arnold, do you have anything else? No, nothing else. I, I, I just also wanted to comment about, you were mentioning the... Um, the experimenting with the playing with the Kickstarter, I think it's a fascinating idea to turn the Kickstarter experience itself into a gaming experience, which yeah. is a brilliant way to bring the whole feeling of that into even the raising of money for the show. So, yeah, I, I also thought that's very clever and awesome idea. I hope people really get engaged in that and enjoy it. Me too. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how they react. Uh, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll play it by ear. But I've always, you know, uh, with Kickstarters, it, there's always been a, you know, hey, let's let's try and reach eight thousand dollars by the end of the day, and mm-hmm. you know, you, they, there's always a push, but it's always like. Okay, what what do I get out of this? Okay, I might get a stretch reward or something like that. You know, uh, they they get a little bit more. I wanted to make it a little bit more engaging and fun, and and you know, get people sort of. I'm sure. I'm doing something more. So yeah, I'm I'm glad that you guys are psyched about the idea. I am too, but we yeah we 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 can't start that unless we get our original <laughs> goal, which we're still we're still shy of. But well, of course, we'll have links to uh, the Kickstarter and to all of your other stuff on uh, on our page. And I really do want to thank you so much for for joining us on the podcast. It's been great chatting with you. 
thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's it's been great. I can't I can't wait to come back if you'll have me. <laughs> oh no no of course and uh, yeah again best of luck with the Kickstarter and uh, here's to the next twelve seasons of uh, <laughs> of, of saving at, throws. At least. So. <laughs> we have to do every version of D and D. So we oh that'll be easy. Yeah. Next will be out soon. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Well, thanks again, Dom. It's been great. Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye. Just give me a D6, just a little yellow die, just to roll to see the damage I've done to this attacking goblin. I roll the five, and the goblin's still alive, and that sucks. My armor class is a nade, and he could kill me if he hits. Thanks for listening to this episode of G to V. Hop on over to g2vpodcast.com for links to all our episodes, as well as show notes and our Three is a Magic Number series. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and please rate and review us while you're there. Follow us on Twitter at g2vpodcast. Join our Facebook page. And our email address is contact at g2vpodcast.com. Your stuff, your stuff, all your stuff.